When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Inside the Dan, your home for the official podcast of University of Montana Athletics. Here is your host, Riley Corcoran. And welcome inside the den here on Big Sky Conference Tournament Week down in Boise as the Grizz are just about ready to take the floor against Idaho for the first time under Coach Takir. They will be playing on the first day of the tournament, but for this young group, it could be the springboard they need to making a run here, needing to win four games in four days to repeat as the tournament champions. Of course, the Grizzlies, it seems like a long time ago, they still are the two-time defending tournament champions for the tournaments that, of course, were completed they enter as the number six seed. They will take on Idaho at 3 o'clock on Wednesday. Our pregame coverage on the Grizzly Radio Network begins at 2.30. If the Grizz were to win, they would then take on familiar foe Weber State at 8 o'clock on Thursday night in a quarterfinal. That has all the makings of a big-time showdown between the two best programs in the Big Sky historically. And the final game of the night when the lights are bright could create a special opportunity, but first things first for the Grizzlies, they need to take care of Idaho when it comes to the matchup for tomorrow who better to go to than the voice of the Vandals in Chris King he will stop by the podcast here very shortly to talk about the Vandals trying season but also cause for concern for Grizz fans as the Vandals have played their best basketball the last couple of weeks a bit of a mixed bag not sure how Idaho is going to come off of quarantine as again if you remember 
The final regular season series against Montana was canceled due to COVID-related issues with the Vandals. So we will see when both teams take the floor at 2.30 tomorrow. And then later on in the episode, two of the, my good friends and two great friends of the podcast in Coulter Nuanez from Nuanez now ESPN Missoula, as well as Skyline Sports, and Sean Rainey, the sports director of ABC Fox Montana, as we go a bit of a roundtable to discuss this conference tournament, to preview some of the matchups, as well as go through the all-conference teams where Kyle Owens was the only only Grizzly that was named to the all-conference team as an honorable mention selection. So for the Grizzlies, big step ahead here. No team has ever went to the championship game that has had to play on the opening day. The farthest the team has went is the semifinal. So the Grizzlies have a little bit of a benchmark that they would like to achieve, and we will see if they can do it as they get underway tomorrow against the Idaho Vandals. So without further ado, let's have a Big Sky Conference tournament preview podcast. And first up is the voice of the Vandals in Chris King. The Inside the Den podcast is presented by the Missoulians, serving Western Montana since 1870, your source for news, info, and Montana sports. Visit Missoulian.com as we are down in Boise getting set for the conference tournament. The Grizzlies will return to the floor tomorrow, 3 o'clock to tip off. They will be taking on a familiar foe in the Idaho Vandals. These two rivals have played over 200 times, hopefully another classic. And I also think very fitting that because these games weren't played in the regular season, it's nice that we will see the Vandals on the other side here at 3 o'clock tomorrow. And for anything related to the Vandals, I bring on my good friend and the voice of the Vandals in Chris King, eight years calling Vandal basketball, first year calling Vandal football as well. They are one and one, a side note. Of course, football have to throw that in there as well. Chris, thanks so much for hopping on, taking some time. I know we always love talking this rivalry anytime that whether it's football or basketball, that the Vandals and the Grizzlies are on the same floor together. It's my pleasure, Riley, and I'm pumped up. It was a bummer that those last two games of the regular season uh, ended up being canceled, but to have this matchup, it's perfect here in the conference tournament. Something from a Vandal perspective, uh, even though missing those last two games, uh, you know, kind of a tough deal, not ideal to, to have to miss those last two games. With playing Montana here in the Big Sky Tournament, Idaho, I believe, is the only team in the conference that will have played every other conference foe. So it's kind of nice to, to kind of complete that and to get a matchup against the Grizz this year, certainly in a season when matchups against your, uh, your normal foes are not guaranteed. That's a great point, too, and that's why we're bringing you on. You're the only person that's seen every team in the league then after today, of course. And as Chris mentioned, just a weird year. For the first time in 60 years, the Grizz and the Cats will not play unless they meet in the championship game on Saturday, of course. But, Chris, let's talk about this Vandal team. I mean, you look at the record, and that's one thing. And our coaches have said a lot about that they're not a 1-20 in team. They didn't have the benefit of playing non-Division one opponents. You add four to five wins in the mix there, it looks a lot better than what the record shows. But – that one win did come in the last weekend of games for you guys' team. So just take me through a broad question for you to start here, but take me through the emotional roller coaster of what the last two weeks have been like for Vandal basketball from having zero in the win column to finally getting that first win and then to have to deal with the COVID pause coming into the conference tournament. I'm sure Grizz fans, their hearts weren't broken when the Vandals got their first win as it happened to come over Montana State. That was big for Idaho to, to get that first win and uh, this is a you know younger team that's been close. It has been really, really close. You look back, uh, the WSU game, the Battle of the Palouse, 
was within a possession at the final score. So the Vandals are right in there with the WSU squad that has really done some good things this year. You look at a couple of conference games, and they were pretty similar. There was a matchup against Northern Arizona at home, and there was a matchup against Idaho State on the road. The Vandals in both of those games had a three-point lead with under 10 seconds left to go. The opposing team both times hit a big three, send the game to overtime. The Vandals both times had Scott Blakeney foul out late in the game. You lose Scott Blakeney, so uh, both of those games uh, went to the opposition, but Idaho breaking through, getting that first victory over Montana State, which was which was really nice. But you kind of talk about the roller coaster. It was you got that win over Montana State in the first game. It was pretty tight in the second. That was senior day. They end up going on a 14 to nothing run to break a tie in the second half, and the Bobcats kind of pulled away from there. But it's tough, you know. You, you have you go on that pause, especially after Idaho has really had a lot of success, and it's a season where it feels like you're you're walking in a field and you're trying to avoid stepping on a landmine. And the Vandals have been fortunate to to not step on on basically hardly any, uh, but uh, that that ended up kind of happening. And so those last two games didn't get played, and uh, it's just exciting to have this matchup uh, coming up here. But and you know, for else for another point for Idaho is. You know, thing that you're excited about moving forward, and you're not trying to overlook the guys you have now because if Idaho's going to have success, Scott Blakeney's going to need to have a good game. Damon Thacker, especially, is going to need to have a good game. A couple of those seniors, but something that, that gets you excited about the future is there have been three true freshmen who have played a lot this year, and Tanner Christensen and Hunter Madden, and Ethan Kilgore. The Vandals are very excited about those guys, and then Gabe Quinnette, a sophomore who's from Moscow. His dad was a really, really good WSU player. Brian Quinnette played in the NBA. He's an excellent shooter, and that uh, he did some good things last year as a freshman, including uh, against the Grays. And then here he is in his sophomore season, continuing to do some good things. So those guys have been good, and those are also guys that, uh, if the Vandals have their way, then Grizz fans will be hearing those names for for years to come. And that is a great point. It leads me to maybe the biggest storyline of all of this. We're going to look back at this game. This could very well be a springboard for both of these programs down the line because both play a core of three, three true freshmen, both like their sophomores as well. So this could be one, remember, two, three years down the line that these two met on the opening day in Boise, but maybe some success here in a couple of years. Of course, we're talking with Chris King, the voice of the Vandals, eight years now calling Vandal basketball, also calling Vandal football. They are in the middle of their spring season as well. Chris, very simply, when the Vandals are playing their best, what has to happen? What, what are you seeing when they are in good flow or when they have good stretches of games, or of course that went over Montana State. So I guess on the flip side from the Grizz perspective, what do the Grizz need to be most aware of uh, when the Vandals are rolling? When opposing teams can really throw a wrench in things for the Vandal offense, they're forcing turnovers. Idaho has struggled with turnovers throughout the year. Uh, they're, they're, they're up there. It's been you pretty much 320 and above in the nation when it comes to turnovers per game. Idaho really struggled against Portland State, had 20 or more turnovers in both matchups against the Vikings. So something when, when things are going well for Idaho, they're keeping that turnover number under control. And when it's not going well, the opposing team is able to, to send that number up pretty high. And outside of that, I don't want to be too overly simplistic here, but the Vandals just need to score. It's been tough for Idaho this year. That's another national stat where Idaho is, you know, typically been 330 plus. When it comes to just points per game, Idaho averaging 60 points per game so far this season. And, you know, the, those are the top scorers, guys like Scott Blakeney and Gabe Quinnett and Damon Thacker. You usually need a secondary guy or two as far as the score goes to step up and to really have a big game. When the Vandals were able to beat Montana State a couple of weeks back, uh, Javari Christmas hit a bunch of three-pointers in the first half. Damon Thacker was especially hot. 
DeAndre Robinson is a guy who has had some really good stretches this year that the Vandals uh, like when he's shooting the ball. When, when he's got some open looks, they want him to take it. If he kind of catches fire, and then how those two big guys do? Scott Blakeney was the most experienced Vandal coming back this year. Uh, Scott has dealt with some foul trouble kind of throughout the course of the season. If he can stay out of foul trouble, uh, you know, pull down some boards, but also if the Vandals can kind of feed him down low and he can get some rhythm, that goes a long way. And then kind of in tandem with that is Tanner Christensen, who's similar size. Actually, Tanner's a little bit bigger as a freshman who comes in uh, when Scott's on the bench. If both of those guys can kind of get things going near the basket. That bodes well for Idaho. And one stat to watch out for, too, to add what Chris said, is just the first half. If the Vandals, because they're coming off a pause as well, if they can just stay in it, uh, a stat that maybe leans the way of Grizzly fans here, the Vandals have trailed at halftime in 18 of their 21 games. For the Grizzlies, we all know the first half has not been the problem. The Grizz have actually led at halftime 18 of their 25 games this year. So, again, if that halftime score is manageable, Watch out if you're a Grizzly fan. The Vandals can be right there. Talking with Chris King, the voice of the Vandals. Idaho coming in, taking on Montana. The 6-11 game again. Tip-off time will be at 3 o'clock Mountain Time, 2.30 for pregame coverage here as we get set to go. And you look at this Idaho squad, Chris, from an optimism standpoint, did it really just feel like relief? I wanted to ask you one word maybe that would describe the team after getting that first win. I would say it would probably be relief. But now the fact that they have that one win, at least our coaching staff feels they're more dangerous. Would you say that that's probably accurate now that it's more, hey, let's go out and play. We've got nothing to lose. And sometimes those are the most dangerous teams here in tournament time. I think you make a very good point there. I think that at least you have that in the back of your mind when the Vandals have been so close to to, to getting one, to kind of, they've been knocking at the door, but to finally break through, and they did that against Montana State. So, so they know they have that experience of closing one out, even though they've been in some tight games. And you look at it, you know, Montana State is a team, they're the five seed, the Vandals beat them. Idaho State's the four seed. I mean, the Vandals had that one within their grasp and ultimately lost in overtime on the road against Idaho State. So it's not just that Idaho has been, you know, close with the teams that are, you know, 10 and 9 in the standings. They've either beaten or been close with some teams that we're talking about who have buys in the Big Sky Tournament. And on top of that, the, the, the word, I would say relief. I just felt happiness. You know, I feel these guys have been, been busting their tails. You know, they're out there working hard in a really – difficult season for everyone across college basketball and for how much time and hard work everyone puts in to, to see that one show up in a win column and you know the coaches work so hard and, and to and to have them get that I was really really nice to see for them that that felt so good because you're just they've been so close but to finally get that one when there wasn't a whole lot of you know room left on the schedule to, to make sure you're going to get that game happiness would be a great word to describe it not only I, and I truly feel this with what everyone has gone through this year these players and the sacrifices that they made no one deserves to go winless so I think happiness from just a, a people standpoint and then obviously more happiness in Missoula because of what you mentioned the opponent was Montana State Chris I'll get you out of here on this we love doing our boards and collaborating and prepping back and forth so very simply uh final question for you keys to this game when you look at the matchup of the Grizz and the Vandals what's a key what's an x factor just kind of what are you looking for as we wrap this up you know, I think if the Vandals can contain and slow down your guys' top weapons, I know it's, it's a year where you guys, you look at your scoring and it's, it's balanced at the top. There's not necessarily one guy, but if you can kind of play whack-a-mole with that a little bit and keep those guys more contained, uh, if Idaho can, you know, do pretty well in the glass, that has been a little hit or miss. And again, just that turnover number for the Vandals. If Idaho can keep that turnover number down, just give them the opportunities to take shots, 
uh, that's going to be that's going to be big, at least from an Idaho perspective to me in this game. Grizz fans, visit Missoulian.com for all of your up-to-the-minute news, info, and sports. Chris King, the voice of the Vandals, kind enough to take some time out of his busy day to uh, preview this matchup on the Inside the Den podcast. Chris, thanks as always for uh, taking some time. It's always fun. I know we're both fired up for this matchup. I wish that you were here in Boise with us. You'll be calling it remotely uh, from Moscow as well. But thanks for the time as always. Best of luck with the rest of the year, the rest of the football season. We will uh, live vicariously through you since there's no Grizzly football here in the spring. But as always, uh, thanks for the time and uh, best of luck to you and your team here tomorrow. My pleasure. Looking forward to the game. The Inside the Den podcast is presented by the Missoulians serving Western Montana since 1870. Your source for news, info, and Montana sports. Visit Missoulian.com. We are down in Boise. It is conference tournament week. It seemed so long ago that everything came crashing to a halt and our lives have been altered, but it feels good to be back here in Boise, a conference tournament preview, and I'm going to welcome in two of my great friends, friends of the show, of course, and Coulter Nuanez and Sean Rainey. Coulter Nuanez, that's pretty much everything. SkylineSportsMT.com. ESPN Radio, Sean Rainey, of course, the sports director at ABC Fox Montana. And guys, we're lucky enough to be here. So I guess that's just the first question overall. How's it feel to be back and just kind of your thoughts? Either one of you can take this. Sean, go ahead to start. Just how's it feel to be back and kind of that, to me, it's the one-year anniversary of everything when the world kind of stopped. But your, your thoughts as you entered Boise here this year? Well, one, it feels great. It, it's <laughs> yeah. awesome to be able to see you guys because – Riley, like we don't see you right. as much as we normally do during out, during the year. We don't see everybody as much as we normally do. So it's awesome to be here, have a, a tournament like feel. Obviously, when we were going to games in Dahlberg this year, it's pretty empty. Like there's not a lot of you don't have a, a the PA kind of tournament feel, and and there's a lot of workers here as well as some fans. So it definitely has a little bit more buzz about it. But also, like I think everybody reflects on what life was like pre-COVID and now. And they kind of remember that moment on, you know, March 11th when everything kind of happened, particularly in the sports world. You know, Rudy Gobert, test positive, the NBA shuts down, and the very next day the big sky shut down and the NCAA shut down. Like, everything shut down. And we were right here in this building when that happened. So it's just it's kind of surreal being back and to the place where you were. Because that's just like, you know, whenever a historic moment happens, you, you kind of remember exactly where you were on that in that time, and, and that was this for us. I agree. 9-11 kind of comes to mind. You know where you're at when 9-11 happened. I was in my sixth-grade math class. And I was in my yeah. science class. I totally <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Coulter, same question for you as far as just the, the feel of coming back. I know following your social media here on my drive down, it got me excited because just the, the reminiscing of how great, I mean, the smiles on all of our faces kind of say it all. But, Coulter, your thoughts as uh, you enter Boise here this year. Uh, it's definitely the happiest I've been in the last calendar year. I don't even think it's close. <laughs> and, we're not, and we're not even playing golf or drinking. So, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, no, this is this is great fun, and I'm really happy that we're all here together, and uh, it's going to be a really fun week. So uh, I'm glad that the action is back. But also, I think we're going to see a couple really competitive tournaments. If the uh, if the tournaments go according to script, there's a lot of collision courses with a lot of rich matchups that have more than, more to do than just talent. A lot of uh, secondary rivalries and some uh, heated. Maybe not, you don't want to say bad blood, but there's going to be a lot of intense games as this tournament progresses, and uh, I know all three of us really enjoy that uh, aspect of it as well. Oh, I believe it, and especially when you look at the men's side of things, as we just talked with Chris King, the voice of the Idaho Vandals, previewing the Grizz game against the Vandals. That'll again, that'll be tomorrow, three o'clock on Wednesday. Grizzly Radio Network pregame coverage begins at two thirty. But the uniqueness of this: the first seven matchups on the men's side, five of them could be matchups we did not see in the regular season. So the uniqueness, guys 
sides of coming into a conference tournament where at least we'd have some measuring stick of, you know, say the Grizz against every other team or just you can pick any team against somebody else. We're ne we don't have that this year. So I think the first round matchups maybe provide a little bit of that. So your thoughts on that, number one, and maybe the first round matchup to watch out for that uh, you guys might have. Yeah, I mean, it's this is the, the year of the wackiness. Yeah. Like, you just never yeah. know what's going to happen this year. And I think that could kind of that theme can continue into the tournament, especially like you said, there's not a lot of common opponents. So you don't have that film and you don't have that experience of going uh, against those teams to look out for. So I, I think early on, I think we're going to see a lot of upsets, maybe not over the, the you know, the top teams, mm -hmm. but I think a whole, a lot of like the middling teams might have, you know, some upsets in, in round one. I just don't know what an upset is actually going to be constituted as. Because we don't exactly. Too. Good yeah. point. Because like I'm not so sure that I, I I am pretty sure that in the on the men's side that Southern Utah and Eastern Washington are the two best teams. I'm not really that sure about everybody else. Yeah. The seeds are kind of in flux. I mean, the Grizz swept Idaho State. I don't. I when I watched the Idaho State was not better than the Grizz when I watched them. But then Idaho State went to Cheney and won <laughs> last week too. So there's all sorts of different matchups that could play. I think there's like this round robin, right? Like. Eastern probably wants to avoid Idaho State. I think Weber probably wants to avoid Montana. We have no idea what the Cats and the Grizz would be like if they play each other because that thing got called off too. First time in 60 years. You know, I think that Eastern probably um, doesn't want to play Weber. Eastern Southern Utah would be a good matchup. Southern Utah probably doesn't want to play Weber. But I, there's just a whole – oh, there's so many different layers of this thing. I think that will be the fun part is when we get into these matchups. I think also the fact that there's no film, it makes it so that it's almost um, organic in the fact that – it's going to be the first matchup. Who brings their cards to the table? I think that's where it comes down to coaching. I think that the guys that have coached this tournament before and had success here before, specifically Shantae Leggins at Eastern Washington, Todd Simon at Southern Utah, and Travis Takira at Montana, those three guys have won the most games since this thing moved to a neutral site tournament. And I think those, those three guys will give their teams an advantage, especially if it's against a team they have not played yet this year. That leads me right into it. We're talking with Coulter Nuanez, Sean Rainey, here on the Inside the Den podcast, a Big Sky tournament preview one year ago. Everything changed. We are so happy to be back and some excitement in the arena as well, Idaho Central Arena, newly branded and spruced up a bit since the last time we've been here as well. But it does lead me into it. You say the neutral site tournament. Of course, the Big Sky Conference tournament has evolved over the last decade. We heard it a lot about taking it away from the number one seed where do you value the regular season more does the bracket need to be changed is it okay that all 11 teams are invited so I guess I'm going to open this up and you guys take it any direction you want Boise number one do you think it's a perfect fit for the league do you like it being in Boise the number two tournament format would you like to see it maybe tinkered a little bit if you were commissioner for a day how would you do it it's a tough question because everyone that was at Dahlberg Arena when the Grizz would host or was, you know, at, you know, in Ogden for Weber State, when they, like, the environment, you're never going to beat that environment. Like, the sellout crowd, and it was just, it was amazing. Like, those games are the ones that I remember when I was early in my, you know, year, uh, career covering those, and then when I was a student being in the stands, and it was just a, an electric atmosphere that you don't get at a Reno or a Boise in the championship game. You can get a lot of fans, but not, not nearly, like, an entire packed gym. Also, I think that the neutral site does diminish the regular season a little bit and not being able to host because being able to host was just such a huge thing that every single regular season game was just so much more important. So if it was up to me, I kind of like the neutral site as far as like the women and the men are both here. Like that, I think that is, that is 
crucial and, and a big part of why I like the neutral site because obviously the women would just go to whoever would win the one seed. And so I think having all the teams here is fine. I'm fine with 11. I wouldn't mind doing some more double buys and things like that to give more an advantage to the top seeds, in my opinion. Kind of like, you know, the West Coast Conference does it a little bit differently. I would maybe look into that kind of a model. Um, but I'm okay with all 11 teams, and I'm okay with the neutral site because you need to plan. It's cool having all the teams here in one spot, but you need to be able to still have that advantage for those top teams in the regular season because the regular, otherwise the regular season doesn't really matter. 20-game conference season, you got to value it a little bit. Coulter, your uh, your thoughts? Well, I think that the biggest arguments against the host, the, the, the winner of the league hosting is that it, that it doesn't give you as much of uh, preparation for the NCAA tournament. Now, that's a little bit of an irrelevant factor right now considering the Big Sky Conference has not won a men's tournament game since 2006 and hasn't won a women's tournament game in way, even way longer than that since the 90s, I don't think. And so uh, the argument has always been if the whole, if the team that hosts wins on their home court because of home court advantage, it doesn't necessarily prepare them then to go to the NCAA tournament and win on a neutral court. The other factor is that the league lucked out quite a bit with, on the men's side, mostly Montana and Weaver State winning the league for the duration of the last 20, 25 years, and almost exclusively Montana's women's team winning the league. I mean, I think Robin Selvig won, what, 18 of the first 24 Big Sky Conference <laughs> tournaments or yeah. something like that? It, it would be very weird if we were all going to Cedar City to that host the tournament be, this and, year. And that's exactly yeah. right. The league was lucky in the fact that the schools that had the amenities and the arenas to host the tournament were the ones winning it. This thing got all sideways in 2014 Sac State. when yep. Sac State almost won the league. How do you host the Big Sky Tournament in a 900-person gym? Well, they were going to put it in a ballroom right? or something, yeah. right? <laughs> exactly. And so then there's no, they don't have alternative places for teams to practice or do shoot-arounds or any of that stuff. There's also, you know, if we went to Cedar City, could the entire league descend upon Cedar City? Is there enough hotels for all of us I, to stay? I don't know. I don't. Think I mean, so. I know that last time it was in Missoula, it was really, it was pressing on the hospitality industry to have enough hotel rooms for everybody in the league to come. And then I think the last thing is just cost, because the Big Sky is a league where the travel is so tough that often, if not almost always, the regular season champion isn't determined until the last weekend. Well, then figuring out how to get all of your teams, to, especially in M Montana, to Missoula or Bozeman in the winter, that's a huge bill because it's expensive to go to the Montana towns. So to bring your whole team on a five-day notice, you're talking about tripling, quadrupling, you know, quintupling the amount of cost. All of that said, I do think that the league needs to figure out a way to uh, either, I don't know how to say this, the biggest thing that's been missing in the neutral site since it moved to a neutral site is the atmosphere. It's way better for everybody to play in front of fans, and that is why, especially when the tournaments would be in great places like Missoula, it wasn't just the Lady Grizz that have fans. There was more fans showing up to all the games than there are showing up most of these neutral site games because people just love basketball. They'd buy their all-session pass. I mean, I know my mother would always do it. She'd, buy a whole, she'd go to every single well, game. Well, there's no... There's no really big sky basketball fans in Boise because nobody in Boise f really follows the big sky necessarily. They're right. following the Mountain West, you know. Right. So you just right. don't you don't get as many casual fans in in these you know places that don't have any big sky basketball. I I think the two places that come to mind where you might get the casual fan would be and they were thrown out there last time, but Spokane and Billings, Billings, Montana, because you're going to maybe have yeah. you know Montana, Montana State faithful that will fill it even if those two teams aren't in it. So it does it creates an interesting conundrum because obviously like here in Boise a little bit too. I love Boise as a town. I mean it's been fun to come here and hang out here. Yeah, the, it is. The whole setup is great. I mean we are 
we're broadcasting from the arena that also happens to be the hotel that we're staying in. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. I, I park my car, and then I don't even drive. I was going to say, are you going to go week. outside for the next couple of days? I mean, you're going to stay inside but the whole But even, even when I do, I just walk down the corridor, and there's all right. the restaurants and, you know, brew pubs that you want right down the way. So that part's cool uh, as well. I do think this, though, when uh, when Billings hosted the, uh, I guess it would have been, was it the Division Two women's tournament? Or maybe it was the NAIA, NAIA. national NAIA. tournament? Yep. I mean, they were getting so many fans because that's the thing about Billings is if you put – they don't have a direct allegiance to a, a school. You know, some Montana State Billings fans, whatever. But if you put a Division One sporting event in Billings, people are going to go, period. Yes. I mean, it's, it's a metropolitan area that's almost 200,000 people now that it's grown like it has. So you are going to get all those just men off the street. They're just like, oh, cool, there's some tournaments going on. I'll go watch that. I'll go buy a ticket to whatever. And so that could be an advantage. But all these considered, I think the Big Sky has done a great job in the operational side of this thing. And uh, it's fun being in Boise. So we'll see where they go from here. But I think that the actual town – if people were just to buy into it, I know we can't do it this year because there's not a lot of fans, but if people were to just plan around it, I, I'm telling you, if you're a Montana or Montana State or whatever fan, you'll have a good time if you come to Boise. You should just plan to do it and just do it. I yeah. think two years ago, too, when the Grizzlies made that tournament run, I think on championship day There's a lot of people here. Yeah, you might have had some people coming down going, all right, Grizz are in, and I'm going to come down Saturday well, there morning. There's a lot of people last year that were driving down that Thursday morning. Oh, oh man. And then – they were like on Twitter, being like, it got like responding to me, like they were mid-drive when they found out it got canceled. A lot of it, like you, you have to drive like three hours without any cell service. So they oh, got man. like really close to here before they realized that it got canceled. But yeah, I mean, and it is true though. Like the Montana schools really have, you know, th their Montana, Montana State, their their support base and their fan base. When you add them together, it's probably close to more than every other team combined. I mean, look at us. We're the, sure. the only media here right now are basically from Montana right now. So, Talking with Sean Rainey, Coulter Nuanez, of course, Sean Rainey, Sports Director, ABC Fox Montana, and Coulter with ESPN Missoula, SkylineSportsMT.com as well, rolling along on the Inside the Den podcast. Tournament preview here for the men. My two cents with it, I like it here in Boise. I get it. We're probably not going back to a, a site where you're going to have home court advantage. I do. I'm with you. I like the double buy format. I think the West Coast Conference does it perfectly. If you want to value the regular season a little bit more, you got to protect your top teams a little bit going to the semifinal. Well, one last point on that, too. I totally agree. You need to protect the top seeds better. You can't have your top seed, especially on the men's side, playing multiple days in a row. Uh, it does. It's just not an advantage. Three Having to win three games in three days, no matter if you're the top seed or not, it's really tough. One seed and 11 seed has one game difference. That's it. It's it, got to be more than exactly. that. Exactly. It's got to be more than that. I also, though, I get the coaches' arguments for the quote-unquote tournament experience for everybody involved, but uh, – I like elite. I like winning. I like all the good parts. I would say let's cut this thing down to eight teams on each side. And then, then it makes the regular season more relevant because you have to make the tournament. Eight teams, double by. I think we can maybe compromise on I'm that. I'm fine with that yeah. because you know, the, the bottom three teams, I mean, in the all the years that we've had this neutral site, like haven't really done anything. No. You know, so it's – Exactly. You know, mean, like like the, we know the, we know that the Idaho men are not going to make a run. We, we've win, seen you know, we've, like, we've seen the Southern Utah men as a seven seed get to the semis. We've seen Portland State's women as a six seed win it. But besides but that, were eleven, ten, and nine. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. eight, eight, nine, ten, eleven has never made it past the second day ever. So, yeah. so uh, I totally agree. For Missoula and Western Montana news and information, grab the Missoulian in print or online at missoulian.com. 
I don't like dwelling too much on all-conference teams, but I think it creates a relevant conversation point, at least for the three of us to talk about. Of course, no Grizzlies were on the first, second, or third teams. We all know the recent history. Is the previous Inside the Den podcast, we talked with Ahmad Rory, Michael Guine, Saeed Pridget, and brought it up, just maybe a byproduct of the system. And I'm very curious to get your guys' take on this because obviously Montana's had elite talent over the years. But with the system Coach Takir plays, it might not highlight one certain player. It's for betterment of the team all of those things and maybe the point total is not there whereas maybe a system where Eastern Washington's big fella is going to always get points and rebounds we've seen the last two MVPs in Mason Peatling and now Groves both be from Eastern so my question to you are you surprised that no Grizzly got on the first second or third team number one and number two do you think it is a byproduct of just Travis Takir's system that no one really stands out as much yeah I'm not surprised it, it is just surprising to not see a Montana basketball player in the top three because Ever since I started following the team for the last decade plus, there's always been Montana players in there. But that's also, like, some of it is just happenstance. Like, they just don't have any upperclassmen that are have a lot of experience on this team. So that takes a – that's one of the reasons why, like you said, there's so much balance on this team. So the, the, the numbers and the stats and the ball is not going to be in one guy's hands. So that is another product. And then, obviously, Montana's style of play – Low, you know, fewer possessions, more of a defensive, you know, effort, and not, you know, necessarily the uh, the focus on the offensive side. I mean, they're not running up and down and putting up a lot of points. So when you look at the stats at the end of the season, they're not going to be as, as big as a team that is more run and gun like a Portland State rather than a Montana that limits possessions and and emphasizes defense because you're not voting on these for defense normally. You know, you're normally just looking at the box score and seeing who has the most points. It is worth noting that there's multiple systems in the league. Eastern Washington's big man has now won the league MVP four out of the last five years, and there's been some good players, Jake Wiley, uh, Mason Peatling, and now Tanner Groves. But the system that they run, both offensively and defensively, caters to their big guy is going to be – he's going to be the top scorer among the leading rebounders in the league every year. That's what the system is. You can be any person alive if you're on their mm -hmm. roster, and you're going to get 14-8. and eight. And if you're good, you're going to go 20 and 10 like Jake Wiley did. But the way that their system works, you're just going to have 14 points and six or seven rebounds just from being in the positions that they put you in on both it's, offense and defense. It's kind of like, you know, the, the Grizz linebacker is always going to be first or second <laughs> exactly, team. Exactly, because he's going to have a million tackles. They're going to have a million tackles. For sure, no question. But then you also, you also got to think about the other systems in the league. I know Northern Colorado is still running sort of Jeff Linder's system, even though Steve Smiley's in his first year. The guy who's playing on the ball at Northern Colorado is going to be the, the, one of the five highest usage players in the NCAA every year. So I think you got to look at his shooting splits and stuff like that because, you know, we've seen guy from, from Jordan Davis to Andre Spite to Jonah Radaba, you're talking about 20 points per game no matter what because that guy has the, ha his, the ball in his hands at all times. So, you know, we digress. That, there's a, ver a variety of systems in the league. But I also think that voting based on pure statistics, especially scoring numbers, is really frustrating to me. I just think you have to look at – it's like Charles Barkley always says on uh, Inside the NBA. You have to impact the game in three areas to be a truly great player. Just scoring doesn't mean anything if you don't impact the game in other areas. So are you a dominant rebounder? Are you a dominant defensive player? What's the intangible element? Are you a leader of a team? Like on the women's basketball side for the all-league honors, Idaho State's the champion. The fact that Callie Bourne got nothing, it drives me crazy because when you watch Idaho State, it's very clear that not only is she their best player – but also, the whole team thinks she's their best player. She's the leader. All of the all-conference girls on that team, they look to her. 
when they're huddling up, she's the one dictating everything. So I guess my point is watch the games when you're voting on all-conference. But as far as the Grizz go, uh, this is a young team. I think they have a lot of guys that have all-conference potential. They're not quite there yet. I think it is a product of the system, but also a product of their youth and a product of their finish this year. Yeah, the question I wanted to ask you guys was in, in three, four years from now, when this true freshman class are juniors, how many are on the all-conference list? That's a great question. I, I would say two. I, I'd give them at least of this freshman class right now, I'd say that two of or the even three. Or even when this freshman class are juniors, so you have Kyle Owens okay. and that group is oh, a senior. Oh, man. And then this true freshman group are juniors. So the course six. Because Kyle Owens got honorable mention. Yep. And there's some other, you know, obviously good players in that group too. And then and then you have the true freshman underneath. That's four guys. I, I'm going to go, th I think three are going to get – you know, first, second, or third? I would say three or four out of that yeah. core six that you're talking about because I, I, I equate it to kind of a Southern Utah situation this year where, you know, you don't really know who to pick first and fourth, but they got four guys on the all-conference team. So that's a good question and a good comparison, I think, for down the road with this team at least as we start talking more about the nitty-gritty. Let's get down to it as far as the outlook for this Grizzly team. We all know the inconsistency all year long, right? We've seen flashes of how good this team can be and also stretches where you're scratching your head wondering if they're really wearing Montana across the front where you can't really identify that being a Montana basketball team. They come in as the sixth seed. I think they are the ultimate X factor in this tournament where they've if they lay an egg against Idaho, they could be going home on Wednesday night. But if they put a run together, it wouldn't surprise me if they were playing here in the semifinals Friday. Who knows, maybe Saturday. I want to get your guys' take. What's maybe the ceiling for this Grizzly team? What's, what's an X factor? What's a difference maker that is going to be a key to their success this week? I, I don't want to sound pessimistic. That's good. You know, and, and this is the Grizz Den. Um, I, would be, I would be surprised if they win more than two. I, I just think this team... Because they've been so inconsistent throughout the year, I just don't know if they can put together that many games in that many days in a row. You know, and and I think they have a you know great chance of putting a really good game together against Idaho. And I wouldn't be surprised if they, air quotes, upset mm -hmm. Weber State. I think then if they ended up playing Eastern Washington, I think that is just a really tough matchup for them. And I would be, you know, pretty surprised if they were able to pull off Weber State and Eastern Washington in their third game in three days because as we've seen throughout this this season they played really well on Thursday in that first game and then this, it's the second game that they've struggled in so just based on this year and also this is going to be the first time playing in this tournament for three of the, the key guys so yeah could they make a run certainly will they I'm not you know too you know optimistic that they are going to win more than two that's a fair and realistic yeah. approach Coulter I think that uh this we've analyzed this Grizz team as ad nauseum on this podcast as well as on my radio show, uh, Nuanas Now, and uh, there's a lot of different factors that go into success or lack thereof. I think the Grizz have a lot of talent. I think they have a lot of potential. I think that the biggest missing elements for the Grizz have been learning how to win close games, but more importantly, just understanding what it means to play at Montana. That, I think, is the, a switch that will flip at some point. Is it this week or is it next year? I don't know. The Grizz are the defending champions in this tournament. They're the two-time defending champions in this tournament. They've won this tournament five out of the last nine years. They are the team to beat in this tournament until it's over. Do they believe that, though? If they do, they can win it. If they if they don't, I think it's, it's just going to be kind of the ending to what has been a rebuilding year. But that's the difficulty in not in the tournament getting canceled last year is 
none of these guys know that they won the tournament. You know, right. like none of them were around except for like Mac Anderson. It's so, like the tournament happened, but it didn't. In yeah, a way, so right? like, yes, they like they're the defending tournament champs. They've won the last two, but not a single one of these guys knows that. You know, sure. They, oh no, no question. And I, and I know that like you know the history and know that you're supposed to, but like it's different when you've like actually lived it. But I do think that what you said about it's the the flip will be switched. It's just a matter of when. And I think that this tournament could be very important moving forward because I think if they can win two games and, and just get a, a bigger taste of what it's like playing in this kind of a tournament atmosphere, I think that would be very big for a lot of these young players moving forward. So next year when they get to this spot, they could be a lot more dangerous. That Thursday night game against Weber State, it's going to feel like it. If Montana can get past Idaho, it's going to have that bright light, big game feel, top two programs kind of in the big sky. could be fun on Thursday night with those two. No question, and I think that Randy Ray will be uh, – he will have some anxiety at best because <laughs> yeah. he, he has lost in Montana this tournament a lot of times. That said, I think that this year more than ever, we, the, the, the league, especially after the top three, is pretty even, and we have matchups where these teams haven't played each other yet. Idaho's only a one-win team. They still, though, they went from having, I think, a, I, th I did the math, the first, I think, uh, 10 games of conference play, they were losing by 22-plus points per game. They've narrowed that margin now where they're losing by about eight a game down the stretch here the last couple. And, you know, they beat Montana State, and then they took Montana State down the wire in the second game as well. Part of that was Montana State's coming off quarantine. All I'm saying is that Idaho has four seniors, and this is we're sitting in Idaho right now. A lot of these guys are close to home. They'll have people here. All I'm saying is the Grizz should win, but they cannot overlook Idaho because I don't think anybody in this tournament can overlook anybody else. You're going to get bounced. I tell you what, that, that is a microcosm of the Grizzly season. We're sitting here going, it wouldn't surprise me if the team maybe was playing on Saturday, but it also wouldn't surprise me if maybe they lost to Idaho on Wednesday. And that's what I'm saying about the, the momentum of the program moving forward because it's going to just have a completely different feel if they lose against Idaho going into next year rather than if they were able to win two games and experience going to the semifinals. It is going to completely, even though it's only two games or you know, or one game potentially, it's going to completely just change the whole narrative of the outlook moving forward into next year. Very good point. Sean Rainey, Coulter Nuana is joining the Inside the Den podcast. As we wrap this one up, guys, I got to put you on the record. Championship game prediction, winner, wherever you want to go with this. But uh, i got to go on the record. Who do you think is going to win this tournament, cut down the nets on Saturday night? Um, I'm going to go Eastern over Southern Utah. Um, I just – I all along have thought that Eastern is the best team in the conference. And I just I'm gonna I'm gonna go with them to, to knock off Southern Utah. Um, I think Southern Utah has the percentage-wise the best chance of getting to the championship game because I think that side of the bracket is much easier. Like if you're talking about all the teams in this tournament that could win it, I think you're going Eastern and then Southern Utah, Weber, Montana, maybe Montana State, but probably not and. You know, three of those teams that we mentioned are all on one side. So I think Southern Utah has a good chance of getting to the championship game. I would say that I would put my money on them as the biggest, as the easiest guarantee to get to the championship game. But I think if Eastern gets there, which I will predict, I think they can knock off Southern Utah. I got the exact same championship game. I think Eastern Washington beats Southern Utah. On the women's side, I'm going Idaho, Idaho State, and I got the Vandals winning on the women's side. Really? That'd create a lot of drama. I'd it like would it. create I'd a like lot it. of drama. I think Idaho State's really good. I also think John Newley's the best in this league when it comes to neutral side tournaments because he had a whole five years of experience doing this in the WAC before they joined the Big Sky. And right. so I think Newley's got the formula down. 
And uh, if, if that is the women's championship game, you should tune in because it'll be it'll be fireworks. There's a lot of different folds. That, that's oh. a, it's a pretty good rivalry, and uh, Newley does not hold his tongue when it comes to talking about what he thinks of his previous employer in Idaho State and the previous town he used to live in in Pocatello. Is there any deep sleeper on either side that could – that could that wouldn't necessarily completely shock you if it happened. Yeah, Montana, Montana could win the men's tournament. They could. I don't. I don't think that they will, but they could. They absolutely could. I, I honestly think that I think that Southern Utah, Eastern Washington, Weber State, and Montana could win the men's tournament. On the women's side, I think Idaho, Idaho State, and Montana State could all win it as well. So, uh, a lot to be seen here. Uh, I, I do. I think that what you mentioned out the top, Riley, the fact that there's multiple matchups in this uh, tournament where the teams haven't played before. I think that that's a huge advantage for the really good coaches. And I, and I think then that, that's when then you break it down. You know, That's why the, the quarterfinals matchup between Montana, Montana State and Idaho State is fascinating because those two guys are both in their second years. They have no real history with each other. They've never really been in this position before. So that's kind of the opposite of guys like Travis DeCure and Randy Ray of coaching this tournament a bunch that might have an advantage on the bench because of their experience at this tournament. Wow, it's going to be an electric week here in Boise regardless. And you said it off the top, I agree. It's nice to actually see you guys and hang out again because it feels right? like I've been in a bubble all year long with this Grizzly basketball team. So this will not be the last time the three of us hop on this podcast. How about that for a deal? 100%. Okay, thanks, guys. Yeah, lots of content coming at you this week. <laughs> oh, make sure you check it out. Yes, Coulter, make sure you uh, – Check uh, oh out yeah. all the content. So 1029 ESPN Missoula, if, if you're listening on the radio, or you can tune in to SWX Montana Television each and every day from 4 to 6 p.m. Nuana is now. Both these fine gentlemen will be contributing throughout the week uh, from here in Boise. And also SkylineSportsMT.com. We will have full recaps of all of the action. Got a video up already from the Portland State Eastern Washington women's game, and we'll have recaps of the NAU Weber State game and the Lady Grizz game, which is set to tip here in about 60 minutes as the Lady Grizz take on Sacramento State as well. So check out SkylineSportsMT.com. And you can check out all the highlights every single night on ABC Fox Montana and also on SWX tonight at 1030. We get a full half-hour show, so we got plenty of time to break it all down and uh, you know give you all the full analysis and hear from the, the coaches and the players as well. And then, of course, you know I'm going to be – Turning that content for that 5 a.m. wake-up show on Montana. So if you're an early riser, be sure to tune in there as well. Riley, thanks for having us. No problem. Day or night, my two friends here in Sean Rainey and Coulter Nuanas and two that dominate the state when it comes to sports coverage. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Inside the Den podcast. Our thanks to Coulter and Sean and, of course, Chris King, the voice of the Idaho Vandals, broadcast information. Tomorrow the Grizzlies will get their tournament underway, taking on Idaho. Our pregame coverage begins at 2.30 with tip-off coming at 3.00 o'clock. Have a great week and go Grizz. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Grizzly Sports Network.